0: Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm hosting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne, and I'm here with architect Andrew Maynard. You might have seen Andrew's work in the press, in magazines, newspaper. He gets quite a fair share of coverage. Uh, I think that's because he's won several awards, but I also think he's genuinely a nice guy. Um, And I think he knows how to deal with the media, which is a really important part of architecture. A lot of architects don't really say it's their concern, but it is. Um, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Uh, You started at University of Tasmania, uh, trained in architecture, graduated in architecture. Yeah. Why Melbourne? I grew up in Tassie. I I spent many years there.
1: um, And uh, so Tassie, I I ended up going to university there, of, of course. But when I graduated, there were just, there weren't jobs. In, in Tassie. Um, the university knew that there was uh, dealing with exports of talent. So myself and my entire class and the, and the year above. Which year was that Andrew? That was, uh, I finished in 98, so 99. Or I actually travelled through 99, so it was the end mm-hmm. of 99. Um, but yeah, two whole year groups almost entirely moved to Melbourne after graduating.
0: So you virtually started a practice soon after graduating?
1: Yeah, I worked for a few different firms, um, only briefly. I've never worked for anybody longer than a year. Uh, you know, Woods Bag six degrees, and I went to London and worked with Richard Rogers as well. Oh, that must have been an interesting experience. Oh, it was amazing. It was they're a, huge. Yeah, well, they, but they know how to run a big practice. They keep the teams really small. Um, so it's not like a, a sausage factory where somebody does this part and then they hand it on. So Were you uh, daunted by it? I was daunted by the sheer quality, like really smart people doing really rigorous work, and constantly and doing late nights and constantly producing incredible work. And then Richard would come in and dismantle it, and you'd have to start again. So that's um, that was terrifying.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that whole process. But I learnt so much doing it. So you came back to Melbourne towards the end of the millennium, yep, and started your own practice.
1: Yeah. So um, after. London and the rest. I um, took what was that? Late two thousand and two. Um, I, I came back with a few pounds, and of course at that time it was three dollars to the pound. So wow, I, yeah. So I just thought, you know what? Uh, I, there was a couple of people that had jobs that um, that they'd asked me to do, and I thought, well, you're a long time dead. I'm only twenty seven, and I'm not really sure I know what I'm doing, but uh, I'll give it a crack. Yeah. What's the worst thing that can happen?
0: Fantastic, and you did.
1: I landed on my feet.
0: Fantastic. What was the first job that you knew that was going to be? It was going to go okay. Um,
1: I a friend of a friend, so there was a lovely distance there. Most people's first projects are for family, which is uh, dangerous, I always think. Um, and it was just a, an extension in in Carlton. And, uh, just one of those, you, you look back in hindsight and you realize how lucky you were. Just one of, the, one of the perfect clients, just so generous and trusting for my first project. And that just rolled along and it was just a joy to do it. And I learned a lot. And, um, the other project was for a family member and that was for some storage units, mm. which I found really interesting. It was actually a lot of fun. Mm. It was quite a large sort of building. But, uh, so both of those were real jobs. Mm. Um, so signed agreements and all that. So I knew I actually. Know. Could make it go of it. Yeah, exactly.
0: So you've just come back from Barcelona, and you were shortlisted for a house in Northcote, mm-hmm. uh, and then w- received accommodation for the Northcote house mm. in the category of small houses. So mm. that must have been a huge honour.
1: Oh, that was a yeah, that was amazing. Uh, to be shortlisted was staggering. And then to go over there and, and receive accommodation was amazing as well. Um, unthinkable. Especially, it is such a modest house. It's just a little recycled Well, for people house. who
0: can't see the house, and obviously they can't see it, it's a house in Northcote, Federation-style, turn of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And you've added a quite a different... Uh, you've gone, rather than reproducing what was there, you've created a double-storey uh, extension made of... Recycled bricks, mm. and it's me- actually
1: the bricks that we demolished. So the extension, the old extension, the wet areas um, that need to be replaced, we demolished those and then rebuilt the new extension out of those, plus, you know, 25% of other recycled bricks that we got from somewhere else. So there was something quite lovely about this idea of, you know, reducing the carbon footprint by simply not moving materials around and the idea of memory being a material so you knock it down and then you resurrect them into another life.
0: Um, Andrew, for people who don't know your work, and a lot of people do, you are very strong on sustainability, but not in a hokey sense. You know, unfortunately, sometimes you see sustainable houses and you think, you know it's kind of you expect a rainbow at the end of the corridor <laughs> um, how do you approach your work generally um, well you know sustainability
1: I, I find it interesting that it's suddenly this big buzzword coming from Tassie um, uh, I don't know whether it's got something to do with sort of the rise of the Greens coming from Tassie politically and the whole Gordon River thing happening in the background when I was a kid but um, at, the, at the university as well we're really indoctrinated into a core part of design is sustainability so I found it interesting when I travelled and worked elsewhere that suddenly there's this new thing that you tack on called sustainability and I just think well that's problematic surely it's just another part of the complex pr- process of design um, so it's definitely something that I do. And I, I have a real problem where, and I think this is similar to what you were saying. People build these McMansions and they just cover them in solar panels and water tanks and suddenly it's a sta- sustainable house. Well,
0: you look at the size of the house and you think it's not sustainable.
1: Exactly. And you're apologizing it by plugging on all this technology. It's the new type of consumption. Um, let's just buy our way out of trouble. It's the, you know, sort of the, the problem of the 21st century. Um, and th- really the Ilma Grove house, which is the one we're talking about, um, is the idea that sustainability doesn't have to be about solar panels and it doesn't have to be about water tanks and the rest. It, It needs to start from core values of what is the material you're actually building out of, where does it come from, and simple things. Orientation. Does it face the sun? Are the eaves right so you let in lots of winter sun? And protecting it from summer some, sun. Some. Yeah. They're pretty simple things that seem to have been lost along the way.
0: The other thing that's interesting with you, Andrew, is that you actually actually practice what you preach. So you don't have a car, no. you ride a bike, mm-hmm. and it's only a simple thing. But I think it's an important starting point um, that you don't have to advocate a, a you know two car garage for every house that you design. Mm. And I think that's quite interesting.
1: But I don't. I, it's not as though I refuse to do um, houses with garages. I, I actually did. I uh, was talking to a client recently where they were talking about a two-car garage, and I said, "What? some so in some, quite often in a house, the the most playful, interesting space for the kids will be the garage, and that's where you sort of have your 18th birthday party and things like that. And so I I like the line of um, I'm doing it on in fits right. Uh, I like the the line that let's design a really good uh, living
0: space you just happen to be able to park a car in. So you can use it as a, f- a flexible space. Yeah. Take yeah. the cars out and the kids can use it when you're not using it as a car.
1: Yeah. But that, that's where I like For to cars. work with a problem rather than against it. So instead of saying to somebody, no, you shouldn't be driving a car because, you know, they destroy our city streets yeah. and, and to divide our community and pump out lots of carbon, it's to actually say, all right, well, if there are constraints, let's make the most of those. Andrew, I'm
0: looking at another house at Anglesey, mm-hmm. uh, a very modest timber house, and it was probably built in the 80s? Uh, I, th- I
1: think s- uh, 70s. 70s, yeah.
0: and you won an award for this house mm-hmm. in the category of alterations and additions, mm-hmm. and it's just a very simple timber pod that is extended at the rear of the property, and quite surprising that, you know, for, it's a very modest, very humble um, tell me about, about this project.
1: Mm. Well, it's actually um, three pods. The the largest one is at the 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 uh, faces north, but there's also a bathroom pod at the back, and a, a kid sort of bedroom at the side, which is really just a bunk area. Um, and the logic there was that um, the client said, "I've got enough money to build a new house. Should I build a new house? But I don't want the you know these holiday houses that you see. Are just another suburban ha- house." transplanted down to the great ocean road um and so you know i thought great i'll get to do this fantastic beach house and then of course ethics gets the better of me and i think well very decent (laughs) (laughs) i think well hang on this this house does need resurrecting it's going to take a bit of money to lift it but there's a sort of an embodied carbon in the materials that are there and there's also a history and a story like this it's the same family that built the house is in the 70s. Yeah. So there's sort of memory, a generation, a couple of generations of, of memory in there. So sort of just eroding that and replacing it seemed uh, difficult. But the the original house was built outside of green timber. So it dried over time and distorted. And basically yeah. you could walk around upstairs and the house, would you could feel it move. Yeah. So the pods are actually robust steel boxes. They basically act as bracing to stop the house from falling on top of itself. So you saved it. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, it's a beautiful house. And I think it's a reminder of what a beach house is. Mm. And unfortunately, a lot of beach houses become just a suburban plant. Absolutely. You know.
1: Well, it's, it's a pity we don't hear the word shack anymore. We now hear holiday home. Mm. And I think, you know, it, it, it's...
0: Uh, Are shacks dead?
1: Like, the simple uh, Well, I structure. think they're the,
0: the best holiday houses. Exactly. But I think, unfortunately, the media... And look, I'm guilty of it as well. I've done a number of beach house books. Mm. Um... But it's this aspirational thing yep. that you need a big house to be happy. And mm. um, But I think some of the best beach houses are like this. They're very simple ones. You don't have to be precious about it. And it is completely different from your city house. And that's why you have a beach house. Mm. I always, With beach houses, I always think that people
1: start with the intention of a shack. But then they start to think about entertaining and they think, well, I'd love to bring down other families to stay here. And that's mm-hmm. where it starts to add up. Well, how will 12 of us, 14 of us be in this house for a weekend? Mm-hmm. And suddenly it explodes. Or I think, well, just go with the
0: original intent. Yeah. You wanted a shack and just put tents up. Yeah, because, like, I mean, they... friends might only come once a year. Yeah, exactly. So why not design it? but for the 362 days of the year, you're actually using it rather than for the one day that everyone descends upon it. And then it can be like camping because it could be like just your shack and then a a, a ring of tents with a fire in the middle, just like, you know, I'm sure we've all done. um, Andrew, this is another house that I'm looking at called the Tattoo House. Mm -hmm. And it was called the Tattoo House because you tattooed or imprinted an image of a tree on the glass. Mm. Um, But there was another... Or there are a number of interesting aspects to this house. One of them was the kitchen, the design of the kitchen, where you obviously had a... Space was limited, and you had to arrange a staircase to get to a second mezzanine level. So the staircase actually crosses the kitchen bench, Mm. which is unusual. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously, the the footmarks don't end up on the bench. um, But was it something that's hard to... uh, is that type of concept hard to sell to clients, or is it just you need the right client to to do something like that? I
1: I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But what what I what I do, um, I spend a lot of time during briefing getting to know people as well as getting to know their. What they want, um, but sometimes there'll be ideas like that where I just think they're not going to go for it. Like it's, I think it's playful and interesting, and it does save on space, and it also deals with balustrading. You don't need to balustrade under one meter. and A kitchen bench is nine hundred, so why don't right. we use that as the transition? Um, and I just thought they're not going to go for it, but I think it's worth drawing, so I'll draw it and I'll show them. And what lolly, was their reaction? Um, uh, Mrs. Client just went. You're not walking on my kitchen bench, and Mr. Client said we are absolutely walking on a kitchen bench. So <laughs> you know, um, he so, won.
0: So is there a bit of a you know argy bargy, and then they come back to you the next day? Or
1: no, we, I think with concepts like that, it's about bravery. And if one one of the clients. Is going. We should take that leap. Then you, I, I never find the the more conservative client to be resistant to it. It's like, oh, okay, we're going. They kind of want to do it.
0: They just need somebody to give them a shower. a little push. Yeah, no, it's an interesting idea because I think what's happened now is, I mean, there's only a limited number of ways you can design a kitchen, mm. and if you've got limited space, it seems ideal to use the kitchen bench to walk on. But it's just something you wouldn't normally think of. Mm. I'm also looking at a um, an interesting project. It's a house in North Fitzroy and it's traditional, very period uh, red brick passage down the middle. And then you've got this uh, very curvaceous timber pod with a very bright lime kitchen bench through the middle of it. It's pretty out there. Um, clients must have been either cautious or, you know, throwing caution to the wind? I mean, what, what was their reaction when you presented the, the design? Um,
1: they, they just said yes the whole time. You know, and not in a really comfortable way. So I just propose things, and they go, "Oh, okay, if you think that's that's best." Like, just remarkable. Like most people don't do that; they'll 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 say, "Go for it, Andrew," and then they'll get it back, and they'll be like, "Oh, hang on, hang on." I'm not quite sure. Yeah, and you know, it's if an idea is really important, I'll try to convince them. If they're not sure, I don't want to make people uncomfortable. I like working with. People. Is it
0: the problem, Andrew, that a lot of people can't see three D? Um, not for me, it's not, because... No, not for, not for you, but your clients. No, I mean, yeah. because I present things
1: in three dimensions oh, from great. the start. So I don't have that dilemma of some people can't, uh, uh, I think as you're suggesting, take a 2D drawing and to convert them into a spatial yeah. awareness. Um, so from the get-go, people really understand the nature of the spaces. But um, Fraser and Rosemary are just lovely, generous people, and they just... Nod. Oh, is that what we're doing, Andrew? Oh, okay. <laughs> is that fabulous? Yeah, and I just... Okay, you meant to give
0: approval, but that's fine. <laughs> there must be times, though, that you are... You perhaps go too far and you think, oh, maybe I should should pull back a bit. Does that happen?
1: Oh, a- absolutely. I think Mash House is an example of that, where um, because uh, they... Uh, Fraser and Rosemary were so willing to say, well, wh- what are we doing, Andrew? Mm-hmm. That's where I would draw some things and get go too far ahead and then go hang on let's just pull back slow it down keep it simple not put all of our tricks into one basket and that's that's a sort of a discipline that are probably still evolving but I think is uh, you see it in students doing too many things it's like as you become uh, a more learned designer you actually find yourself doing deliberately trying to do less yeah um not try to shove in ideas wherever they can.
0: The other thing that's interesting about this house is that the original house is predominantly white, uh, mm-hmm. and the and timber floors. Uh, the new ha- the new section, which is the timber pod, is lime green. Uh, you've got shots of red through it. Uh, the bathroom is inspired by a horror movie or um, Psycho Psycho yeah Uh, Mm. tell me about that the tiles and the colour of the tiles
1: yeah so we we proposed just a white bathroom white tiles um, uh, for the client and um, I, I said I pulled out a sketch as we were about to it was going under construction I said well why don't we embellish it a bit like just put a little bit of color in there a little bit of splash near the shower um, so I just had a sketch of red tiles going down there and what I didn't tell them because I thought they'd say no is um, that that is inspired from psycho the scene where she's you know the beautiful woman in the perfect white shower and then of course the knife comes in and mm. You know, blood goes where it goes. And as you pointed out, I think when you were there, it's actually a black and white film. But I don't, I don't know. You I saw don't know. it in red. I saw red. How do they? Red. How do the clients feel now taking a shower? I haven't asked them, but uh, when I, when I mentioned on one of your tours, you had a, yeah. you had about sixty people there. It was some ridiculous yeah. number. And I actually mentioned it, not knowing. The clients are in the room, and Rosemary came up to me afterwards and said, "Ah, oh, so that's what my
0: shower's about, is it?" <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's interesting, it is a very colourful house. Mm. Um, you've got um, lime shag pile carpet um, in the in the new pod, and uh, I still remember you telling me the next door neighbour's son went home to tell his parents that the people next door have got a television in their garden. Was that correct? Oh, yeah, and it's been called a camper van as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I'll is colour is something that I love looking at, mm-hmm. uh, but it's difficult to use uh, really well. It is. It's really hard to do. And, um,
1: uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I've got it right yet, but it's, you, you need to spend a lot of time. I, I'm pretty happy to be aggressive with colour, if that's the yeah. right word, to splash a really strong colour somewhere. Yeah. Um, But uh, it's about trying to hit the right spot and not do it everywhere. And contrast material is really important as well. So the polished concrete floors and the timber contrasting against the uh,
0: the bright colours. Andrew, this is a project that's coming up called the Mobile Art Studio that will be Mm -hmm. at Federation Square... Shortly. March, end March. of March. Yeah. Tell me about that project.
1: Well, it's under construction. Um, the, a really exciting project. Uh, Arts Access Victoria um, approached me uh, about a year ago, um, seeing that I'd, I'd done a lot of concepts about mobile architecture. Uh, saying that they, so Arts Access Victoria is um, a group of artists with intellectual disabilities, um, so Down syndrome and other. Uh, disabilities, um, and they produce some incredible artwork. Um, Jocelyn Lee actually did her first exhibition recently, uh, amazing work, mm-hmm. and they've got a um, pretty daggy school shed out of Dingley that they practice their art in, and it's not the most inspiring space. So this is about being able to take the artists in a safe working environment wherever they want to go. So they could go into the bush and start drawing in the bush or... Um, into Federation Square, bring them into the community um, rather than being isolated.
0: Andrew, it all folds up, does it? Yeah,
1: so it's a very simple, uh, uh, quite large uh, box. And what are the, what are the materials? Uh, it's all going to be buffed aluminium so it's like the boxy version of an Airstream caravan mm-hmm. and then when you open it up it's incredibly bright rainbow colours on these awnings that come out and that, that comes from some of the sketches that the artists gave me so part of the briefing process was saying to the artists what what do you want? Draw You design it. And... Um, I, a lot of the credit needs to go to them because I've really just taken their drawings and interpreted uh, into those forms. And, of course, the great thing about these awnings is they can be adjusted up or down separate to the deck. So you can have sort of this covered space mm. that's on the outside, so you can sit on that edge, which is about mm. a seat height. Or you can completely enclose it and be, you know, it could be raining and storming, you can be in there sketching away. And um, the
0: idea is they can travel around Victoria or Australia. Yep anyway this can just move with them
1: it's roadworthy uh, which was the trickiest part really mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they can do a performance they sometimes do performance uh, so they can lift up one part uh, and have sort of backstage areas or they can do a long gallery they can lift up two parts and just have people coming through looking at the work um,
0: yeah. yeah is it the type of concept you can produce for other groups of people and this type of thing yeah
1: if- w- um, the Arts Access, um, no, sorry, Arts Victoria is now looking at it, thinking, well, is this something we reproduce for other user groups, or at at least take some of those ideas and and develop them in uh, in different ways? But it's been incredibly difficult to turn this into a a functioning, roadworthy structure. So we've done the groundwork, duplicating it, of course, becomes
0: the other thing. thing I'm looking, Andrew. The other thing (laughs) I'm looking at is a little nifty pod that was designed for the Botanical Gardens for the Ambassadors. Yeah. Tell me about that.
1: Uh, so the Botanical Gardens approached me uh, again, seeing that I'd drawn some mobile architecture, but also they really liked the Sticks Valley Protest Shelter that i designed when I first started my practice. What was it called? Sticks Valley Protest Shelter. Right. So that's that's a, a, basically a, a treehouse house. Um, for the Styx Valley in Tasmania to act as uh, where the Wilderness Society can set up camp to stop log trucks from going through and clearing out the bush, the old-growth forests. Um, And so they liked that bit of politics, but they also liked the design design as well. So it's a very simple... Well, it looks simple, very hard to execute. A a simple timber crate with a a rooftop garden. So it basically looks like a a square... An oversized pot plant. Uh, but then each of the walls open up, um, so that it turns into a um, sort of an, uh, not an exhibition space, a display space. So uh, botanical garden volunteers will man it, and they will show people how to pop plants, or some of the plants some history about the the gardens, or some information. And about then it, it opens plants. up
0: to reveal a seating area. Yeah.
1: So you open up the walls, and then you can actually flip down table and chair um, and so sit down. It, yeah.
0: Yeah. Andrew, what do you enjoy most about architecture? Well, after ten years, are you kind of getting cynical? No, I've, I've, I,
1: I've seen that, and I've, you know. I I know people can get very cynical, and I just choose not to. The glass is half full. The hardest thing for me, um, there's always going to be people, and there's also going, always going to be budget and you know things, politics. You know, there's going to be the council that, that will just wear you down. But the thing is, um, there is so many, so much stuff that's fun about it. I think for me personally, the thing that wears me down the most is how long everything takes. I'm too impatient. Like I, I've become. I've, I've so always
0: probably p- enjoy these pop up. Yeah, projects that are quick, relatively yep. quick.
1: Absolutely, and that's the reason I do a lot of paper architecture too. Just designing things that is just an idea to execute very quickly, knowing they'll never be built, and nobody's paying me to do it. But it's like I need to get something done. Be like origami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I did a project recently called uh, the Mobile Parliament. I was thinking about power structures and how we have these democratically elected people, but they're in these. Protected spaces um, and the idea of having those spaces mobile, so that if people get pretty annoyed at the politicians at one particular time, they actually can shove them into a box and take away their view and sunlight, and say you're not coming out until you change, until you improve uh, your uh, your policies.
0: Did you present that to any politicians? <laughs> not yet, not yet. But um, uh, it's it's up for.
1: I put I put it in a um, online. It's gotten a, a fair bit of attention so far, but uh, I like causing a bit of trouble
0: with those things. Andrew, thanks so much to come for coming in today to um, to speak to me. Um, it's been pleasure. wonderful, and um, you've been with Stephen Crafty, talking design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks for listening.